You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. We have three scripture passages this afternoon in connection with Lord's Day 41 and the Seventh Commandment. Begin in the Old Testament with Proverbs chapter 7. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call understanding your kinsman. They will keep you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words. At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, At every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face she said, I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I fulfilled my vows. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He is gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. Now we go to the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 30. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Then finally, Ephesians chapter 5. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. 
Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's now turn to what we confess from the Scriptures in Lord's Day 41 of the Hatterberg Catechism. What does the Seventh Commandment teach us? That all unchastity is cursed by God. We must therefore detest it from the heart and live chaste and disciplined lives both within and outside of holy marriage. Does God in this commandment forbid nothing more than adultery and similar shameful sins? Since we, body and soul, are temples of the Holy Spirit, it is God's will that we keep ourselves pure and holy. Therefore, he forbids all unchaste acts, gestures, words, thoughts, desires, and whatever may entice us to unchastity. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus, 
This afternoon in our catechism preaching, we've come again to the seventh commandment. For many of us, I think this is a commandment we would rather skip. Makes many of us uncomfortable. Does so because we know how short our lives fall of what God says here. Now, sure, maybe we don't outrightly commit adultery, which means we don't have sexual relations with people we're not married to. But we know from what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 5 that the seventh commandment goes way beyond that. Just lustful glances are enough. And so the seventh commandment, it pricks us. And it makes us squirm a bit. But loved ones, being uncomfortable, being pricked, is not a bad thing, so long as it results in growth. It's not bad as long as we look to Christ as our Savior, fix our eyes on Him, rest and trust in Him. Being pricked by God's law is not bad as long as it leads us to grow in thankfulness for what Christ has done, as long as it helps us to kill sin in our lives. And this afternoon, we'll look at the seventh commandment, and I warn you ahead of time that it may be uncomfortable. For many of us, I guarantee it will be uncomfortable. But we're going to do this so that we would again look to Christ, and so that we would grow in Him. This afternoon, we consider God's Word with this theme, the seventh word, God commands purity in His people. We're going to look at the design, the fulfillment, and the challenges to this commandment. Now, the seventh commandment, in the form we have it in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, was given by God to Moses at Mount Sinai, as you know. However, the substance of this commandment, the essence of this commandment, is much older. It goes back to the beginning chapters of Genesis and the creation of Adam and Eve. God joined Adam and Eve together in holy wedlock. He officiated at the first wedding. And his original design was for a man and a woman to live in intimate fellowship with one another. There was a holy unity that God instituted when Eve was presented to Adam. Nothing should come between them. God put man and woman together as husband and wife. One man and one woman together forever. That was the original design of marriage. And the seventh commandment is tied up with that because breaking that bond of husband and wife is contrary to the will of God. And so the seventh commandment exists to protect marriage. And it also exists to protect something that is designed to come to expression only within marriage. Human sexuality. Our sexuality was designed to function within the marriage relationship. And when it functions outside of that relationship, brokenness and trouble result. And consequently, the seventh commandment is also designed to protect human sexuality, to protect us with regards to our sexuality. God's command for purity and chastity is there for our good and for our benefit. And not only for those of us who are married, but also for those who are not yet married, or even who might never be married, or who were once married and whose spouses have gone to be with the Lord. 
For all of us, God has given the seventh commandment because of his love for us, because he cares for us. It's also there because of what we learn from 1 Corinthians 6. In that chapter, Paul says that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in each of us, individually. And the seventh commandment is designed to guard the holiness of this temple. These temples are not to be used for just whatever. They belong to God. They are inhabited by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, they are to be used in a holy way. And God defines what the holy way is. The Catechism reminds us that unchastity or sexual impurity is cursed by God. And of course that's true, isn't it? It's also true that many of us have been unchaste and sexually impure in various ways. Does that mean that we are cursed by God? Here we need to consider the fulfillment of the seventh commandment. We have not fulfilled this commandment or been obedient to it with any degree of perfection, any degree that might make God take notice and pat us on the back and say, good job. We've never done that. But we have a Savior who has. The Lord Jesus also perfectly obeyed the seventh commandment, and he did it for us. And how, you ask? Well, one thing for certain We know that a lustful thought never entered his heart. He never looked at a woman and had impure thoughts. And then, of course, unchaste actions were also something that never happened in his life. Brothers and sisters, we can go further than that. Not only did he not do certain things to break the seventh commandment, he also positively fulfilled it. So he not only took care of the the negative aspect, not doing certain things, but he also positively did certain things to keep the seventh commandment. He positively fulfilled it. He was faithful to his bride. Yes, you heard me correctly. The Lord Jesus was faithful to his wife. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 5. He says in verse 2 that Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And later in that chapter, he bases the commands to, to Christian husbands on what the Lord did as a husband for his wife, for the church. The Lord was and he is faithful to the church, to his bride. He's never committed adultery. The Lord Jesus has always been a one-woman man. And this is for us too. Credited to our account. Imputed to us. When the Lord Jesus died on the cross, He died to make satisfaction for all our sins. He took all our sins upon Himself, including all of our sins against the seventh commandment. And loved ones, today I know many of you are feeling guilty. Many of you are feeling broken because of your impurity and unchastity. You've had those sinful thoughts and those sinful actions and you hate them all. You have sorrow for your sin and you want to be forgiven. 
brother, sister, hear the Lord speaking to you this afternoon. I have taken all your sins on myself. They are paid in full. Rest in me. Trust in me. You are forgiven much. I have obeyed the law perfectly on your behalf. You are my brother. You are my sister. You are God's beloved child. There is no condemnation for you. Instead, you are accepted because of me. Loved ones, hear him speaking to you. And believe him. There's hope for all of us in the gospel. And we need that hope. We need that hope because the challenges with regards to the seventh commandment are so great. We live in a time where sexual impurity is all around us. Sexual impurity is paraded in front of our eyes on a daily basis. And so often, it's so easy to get sucked right in. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he knows that one of the quickest ways to destroy us is through the perversion of our sexuality. The world is his willing accomplice and his biggest cheerleader. And to make matters worse, we have a traitor within. We have the leftovers of our sinful nature calling out to us and saying, you know, this could be fun. You deserve a break. You've had a hard day. There's a lot of pleasure to be had here and now. Why deny yourself? Now, these challenges and temptations come to us in a variety of forms. We're going to focus on one in particular this afternoon. This is something that challenges, tempts, and even captivates many of us. This is something that affects young and old. It's something that both men and women have struggled with and been enslaved to. It's something that draws in both singles and married people. I think you know what it is. I probably don't even have to say it. It's pornography. You know, in the last while, there have been quite a few requests from within the congregation to deal with this difficult subject. And I, I do it this afternoon with some hesitation and reluctance. But I'll do it not only because I've been asked, but because I care for you. And because it pains me to see so many of us trapped in this. Or at least you, you feel like you're trapped. And it not only pains me, it also pains the Lord. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Necessity requires this afternoon that I be direct. You know, there's a saying that sin is like fungus. It grows best in the dark. And that's certainly supported by what we read from Ephesians 5. We need to bring this sin into the light. And to be honest and forthright about it, even if it's uncomfortable. Something we have to do. Statistically, they say that one in ten Christian men is enslaved to pornography. One in ten. I doubt that statistic very much. After all, everything can be rationalized, right? I'm not enslaved. I only look at it once a week or once a month or whatever. Sports Illustrated is not pornography. Come on. Or 
It's not porn. It's art. I just appreciate beautiful art. So we have these rationalizations, and, and then we also have the people who outright lie on statistical surveys because of their pride. Many of us would probably do the same thing. You know, loved ones, the reality is, and I know this as a pastor as well, that many men and women have problems with pornography. And again, I would stress that. Many men and women. It's not just a problem for guys. Also women. And we might find comfort knowing that we're not alone, but it's not a great comfort because it says a lot about how successful the devil, the world, and our own flesh have been in deceiving us, in leading the church into evil. Let's put away our rationalizations and our lies, our secrecy. Let's come clean. Let's be honest. Let's be honest, first of all, about what pornography is. It's anything that arouses lust and impure thoughts in our hearts. And it's usually produced with the intention to do just that. And furthermore, we know that pornography is usually not just a matter of looking. If we're honest, we know that impure actions typically accompany the viewing of pornography. And today we also, all of us, we know what the biggest source of pornography Years ago, many people wouldn't dream of walking into the local corner store and buying a dirty magazine. Their pride would never allow them to do such a thing. I mean, after all, what if someone sees you? Someone you know. They might even feel guilty about having spent their money on such garbage. But today, it's different. Today, you can view it in the privacy of your home. No one has to know. No one will see. You're anonymous. And it's all free and it's easy to find. You can find it without even looking. Sometimes it will come to you. Google for something innocent and then temptation presents itself. And before you know it, you're down the wide porn formation highway. I don't think we need to dwell on the fact that things are bad, even among us. We don't need to dwell on that. What we do need to dwell on is the way out. What we do need to dwell on is the way to respond to this challenge. How can we be pulled out of the porn pit? Let me say it again. Not one of us should despair. Please do not despair. Not one of us should think that he or she is a hopeless case. Listen, we have a Savior. He came for sinners, not for the righteous. If you're a sinner, if you're enslaved to pornography, Jesus Christ is for you. We have the Holy Spirit. He lives in us and He will help us to fight. He will empower us to grow in Christ. Brother, sister, don't think that you are beyond the reach of grace. Don't think that you're beyond redemption because you're not. Don't think that things will never change and it will always be like this. Things like they, they can and they may and they must be different. You need to hold on to God's promises. You need to trust that He's gracious and merciful. 
a loving father, even to a sinner like you. Let me begin by saying to all of us, and especially to the young people here this afternoon, if you've never looked at pornography, let me plead with you not to start and to hate this poison with everything in your being and avoid it. I'll give you three reasons why. Three reasons why we should not only avoid pornography, but also seek to combat it and to kill it where it exists in our lives. The first reason, the most important reason, is that it defeats the purpose for which we were placed on this earth. We were put on this earth to glorify God and to enjoy Him, to enjoy Him forever. We weren't put on this earth for our own pleasure, to be enslaved to our sexual lusts. God put us here for Himself and for His glory. And His will is that we would enjoy Him, desire Him, love Him. And the way we do that is through Jesus Christ. Pornography defeats this good purpose of God. Second and closely related is the fact that slavery to pornography is spiritual suicide. Anyone who's been enslaved to pornography knows that it kills you. It kills you from within. It deadens your soul. It makes it difficult, if not impossible, to have a meaningful relationship with God. Your prayers, if if they exist at all, your prayers become superficial and meaningless. The guilt is overwhelming. The only way to get rid of it is to silence your conscience. The way you silence your conscience is by avoiding the Word of God. Avoiding the Word of God, which is the very thing that can save you. Don't kid yourself, brothers and sisters. Slavery to pornography is spiritual suicide. Proverbs 7 hits the nail on the head when it warns against lust. What it says there about the adulterous woman can also be said about pornography. Her house is a highway to hell, leading down to the chambers of death. Pornography is a highway to hell. And when God's Word tells us that, it's not an exaggeration. Brothers and sisters, avoid it if you can. And if you've already been trapped, commit yourself to warfare against it. Or perhaps recommit yourself here this afternoon. As someone once said, if you're not committed to killing sin in your life, it will kill you. And that goes for any sin. I'm sure there are people here who, pornography, they say, that's not my problem. Well, this goes for any sin. You have to be committed to killing sin or it will kill you. We're in a holy war. Third, third reason. Pornography destroys marriage. Destroys marriages and families. You know, there's a line that young people who use pornography tell themselves. When I get married, then I won't need pornography anymore. Guess what? 
You get married and pornography doesn't go away. It does not go away. It's a lie. Marriage does not solve the porn problem. Unless you do something about it, pornography will continue to be there and it will erode and eventually destroy the intimacy in your marriage. Then some people get the bright idea that pornography can help the intimacy in their marriage. And so they introduce their spouse to it and they look at it together. And it seems to make things spicier for a while. But in the end, it drives a wedge between husband and wife. And they begin to resent each other or worse. Pornography, brothers and sisters, pornography will not make your marriage better. It doesn't make it better if the two of you are looking at it together. It will destroy your marriage. Guaranteed. And then we tell ourselves, when children come along, then I'll deal with this problem. Well, children don't solve the problem either. In fact, it's quite likely you'll pass the problem on to them. And children can smell hypocrisy from a hundred miles away. Your problem will become their problem and you could potentially destroy them spiritually. Your children will be distant from you and they will not respect you and they will not love you. Or worse, they could turn their backs on Christ because of you. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, Woe to those who make little ones stumble. Didn't the Lord Jesus say that it would be better for such a person to have a millstone hung around their neck and for them to be thrown in the ocean? Loved ones, we could add many more reasons to those three. But those are three good reasons why pornography needs to be hated, it needs to be avoided, it needs to be combated, it needs to be killed in our lives. But now you say, Okay, Pastor, you've made your case. I'm with you. I get it. Now, how do we go about this? I've got a problem with porn. How do I deal with it? Help me. Now, there's a lot that could be said there, too. But I'm only going to mention two things that you need to do. Only two things. We'll keep it simple. And if you have a problem with pornography, any one of you has a problem with pornography, you need to do these two things today. Not tomorrow. Today. You have to strike while the iron is hot. Today is the day to say, enough. No more. I'm tired of it. I'm going to fight it. As one of your pastors, I beg you, plead with you, admonish you, Please go home and do these two things as soon as you can. Don't waste any time. The first thing you have to do is get on your computer and go to a website. And the website is called Setting Captives Free. www.settingcaptivesfree.com The website address is also in today's bulletin or liturgy sheet. It's on the third page there, middle of the page. Two resources for the battle against pornography. It's right there. 
SettingCaptivesFree.com. Go to Setting Captives Free and sign up for the Way of Purity course. The course is free. It's not going to cost you anything. And that course will provide you with the biblical, Christ-centered help that you need. It will show you how Christ delivers from sin in practical terms. And once you sign up, don't give up. Keep going. Keep working through it to the end, even though it'll be hard. And when you sign up, you'll have the opportunities to, to, to send the lessons to one or two others if you want. Perhaps your pastor. And I'd love to be able to come alongside you and support you and pray for you, encourage you, help you whatever way I can, even if I won't officially be your pastor for much longer. doesn't matter. I want to see you fighting. I want to see you free. I want to praise God with you as He continues to work in your life. That's the first thing you need to do. And the second thing you have to do, and you have to do it right away, is to install a filter on your computer. We read Matthew 5, and there the Lord Jesus spoke of cutting off anything that causes us to sin. He talked about gouging out your eye, cutting off your arm. We call that radical amputation. Get rid of whatever causes you to sin. And one way of practically implementing what the Lord Jesus says there in Matthew 5 is by putting a filter on your computer. Every single home that has a computer with access to the Internet must have a filter installed. Can't emphasize that enough. Brothers and sisters, you need to have this. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And once you have a filter... A filter is no good if you don't have it set up properly. So you need to do that as well. Someone else needs to have the password. Not you. You may need to have it set up to restrict internet access at certain times. You may need to enter in certain keywords that trip you up. Or certain websites or search engines that lead you astray. And you block those. You can do that. You have to do that. Whatever it takes, you need to put yourself on as short a leash as you possibly can. Cut off the thing that causes you to sin. And if you want a suggestion for a helpful filter here too, you can look at today's liturgy sheet or bulletin. It's there again under the the resources for the battle against pornography. Canine web protection. There are others that are out there, but this is the one that I'm going to recommend this afternoon. Canine web protection. It's free. Again, it's not going to cost you anything. And it allows you to restrict internet access in the ways that I was just mentioning. And so, brothers and sisters, if you are struggling with pornography, you know what you need to do. And you know when you need to do it. Right away. But again, above all, here's where I want to end. Remember the gospel. And fix your eyes on Christ. Because even with all of these sins, even with all this awful stuff, if we are looking to Him and trusting in Him, we are pure. And we are chaste in God's eyes. And we have His Holy Spirit living in us. And He will give us help. And He will give us strength. 
the gospel. Oh, we're so richly blessed with the gospel. If we didn't have the gospel, what could we do? We would throw up our hands and say, this is hopeless. We as well just be a slave. Be a slave to sin. But it doesn't have to be like that because the, the gospel is so powerful and it's so rich and wonderful. We have a great Savior. Through Christ, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. But it is, brothers and sisters, a peace which starts a war. The normal Christian life is for the believer to be at war with sin. Christians are not sinless people. But they are soldiers who declare war on their sin. They hate it and they fight against it. And again, you may have been thinking as you've been sitting here, well, this whole sermon has been wasted on me because I don't struggle with pornography. I don't struggle with lust. Brother and sister, you have your own sins, don't you? I didn't mention your pet sins this afternoon, but you have them. We all do. One of them is, I think for many of us, pride. And you too have to fight against sin and hate it, kill it. All of us are sinners in need of a Savior. The Lord Jesus wants to take all of us further and deliver us not only from the curse of sin, but also from its power. And that's what sanctification is about. It's about growth in holiness. It's about seeing the old nature more and more crucified, nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. It's about wanting to have that old nature dead and gone, not only in principle, as it is, but also in practice, as it will be. It's Christ who does that. And it's to Him that every single one of us has to look. Let's pray together. Our gracious Father, we praise You for Your lavish grace and mercy in Christ. We're grateful for His life of obedience to the seventh commandment. We're grateful for His satisfaction for all the times that we've broken that commandment. Father, we thank You that all of His righteousness is ours and that the curse of sin has been broken. Father, we pray that You would also deliver us from the power of sin, especially this afternoon, sin against the seventh commandment. Please forgive us all our transgressions of Your law. We pray that You would do that not because of anything that is in us, but because of Christ and because of what He has done for us. Please continue working in our lives with Your Word and with Your Holy Spirit. And we pray especially for those among us who are enslaved to pornography. Father, please set these captives free. Please set them free through our Savior and through the power of Your Spirit. Please do it for them, for the sakes of their families and marriages, but above all, for the glory of Your great name. Help us all to hate sin and to fight against it. And please forgive our every sin and weakness 
And hear our prayer. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.